Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Welcome to Culture Bites. My name's Dominic Gawley. I'm joined on this episode by Jess Keft. Hi. Hey, Jess. So we've wrapped up the Sydney conferences, and we're kind of reviewing the presentations, I guess, and putting them out here. Awesome event. Jess, well done. I know you put a lot of work into putting these things together. It's a bit like uh, planning a wedding, I've heard. Yeah, yeah. So a little uh, hint to someone um, (laughs) on that one. Um, But uh, yeah, a lot of planning goes in and then it's kind of all over in the morning. But it was fantastic and uh, you get a month off now before we have to start playing the next one. Yeah. So... (laughs) I think people are surprised by how much work goes in. It's one of those ones where you don't notice it if everything runs smoothly, right? Yeah, you know? exactly. And it's a year, a year in the planning. Yeah. So it's a, it's a big event for us. And it's awesome. If you missed if you missed the event this year, we put them on for free every year in Sydney and Melbourne. So hold your diary. I don't think we have dates for next year yet, but it's usually around September. So keep an eye out. But what we are doing is we we video them and we're releasing them either on video, you can watch online or we're going to play it on the podcast now. And so the pod, the episode, uh, the presentation we want to talk about today was Fraser's Property. So we had Rana Alkadamani, and she was presenting on their culture journey. And they're actually a culture award winner this year, Jess. They are. They're uh, one of our transformation award winners. So from their original retest, or from their retest previously, they've... Yeah, they've transformed yeah, it, right? pretty yeah, much so transformed. Went from a sort of predominantly defensive culture to a predominantly constructive one in our language. And so really this was Rana sharing their journey, right? What have they learned? And the thing I liked about this presentation was linking to outcomes, right? Linking to stuff they had to get done as a business. So how has it actually impacted? How has it made a difference? And I think ultimately, you know, that's why we do this culture stuff. It's, you know, awesome. The vibe and stuff like that is great, but we're here to achieve some stuff too. So how does it impact the business? And I think Rana did a great job of of talking about that too. Yeah, and how it's also impacted their employees and customers as well mm. from changing from that, you know, oppositional kind of culture mm. to one that's highly constructive. Yeah, and, and your customers feel it. Absolutely. All right, well, why don't we play the presentation from Rana and then we'll uh, have a chat at the end. Sounds good. Good morning. Um, it's a privilege to be here today to share our story. So this is a site we acquired in 2004. Four years later, in 2008, most of the site still looked like this. (laughs) It still looked like this in 2009, 10, 11, and 12. This is a site that there was not a lot of progress made on due to a reduced consumer demand and the impacts of the GFC. So essentially, this project was put on hold. However, fast forward to 2019, it's now a completed project. 12 of the 15 buildings or 2,000 apartments were built and sold between 2013 and 19 on this project. It's now a successful customer community. It's been recognized with industry awards and it's delivered a solid profit. But this project has been tough. But often when we make an investment like this, there's no going back. We just have to push forward. And it's been a bit like that with our culture journey. We started our journey just over 10 years ago, and often it really has felt like we have just kept pushing through. We first measured our culture in 2008, 
And at that time, we had a highly defensive culture. So there was a lot of red. Our primary styles were oppositional and our secondary style was perfectionistic. So this was a place where people were, you know, good at picking up the flaws of others, were quite defensive, not particularly collegial. And often, you know, working long, hard hours was seen as a badge of honour. We didn't do our next measure then until 2014. So there was a big break. And unfortunately, at that time, not much had changed. You know, we still had a lot of red and green in our culture. It was very inconsistent across the business and the business units. We're a business of around 700 people, 22 business units spread geographically across Australia. And so what we noticed is that some pockets of culture were good and some not so good. And I think this challenge was actually one of the key reasons why we never really got this burning platform for change that I'd heard so many other people talk about. And so I think this became one of our barriers. However, in 2015, Rod was appointed as CEO. When he was appointed to that role, he really elevated the importance of culture to that of business strategy. And frankly, that's made all the difference in our culture journey moving forward. He articulated an aspiration of a constructive culture, one where collaboration and developing people were key. And he also recommitted us to retesting our culture every two years from that point forward. And so we knew we had a lot of work to do and we just really had to get on with it. So between 2015 and 2019, we implemented a series of strategic initiatives that were really focused on transforming our culture. The first of these is leadership. I heard Daniel Goleman speak a few years ago, and something he said has really stuck with me. Out-of-control leaders, or rather out-of-control emotions, make smart people stupid. And this is something I could relate to. You know, I had been that person on occasion, but I had also watched over the years many leaders who were like this. And I'd often thought about the impact this had on the people they worked with and the culture we had. And I think the people we work with are actually pretty forgiving of our missteps. No one expects us to be perfect. But I think if it's who you are and who you and the way you lead all the time, then it becomes really damaging to relationships, to trust, and ultimately to your workplace culture if you expect that people just need to suck it up. So we started to part ways with leaders who did not fit our aspired culture. You know, in the past, we had been a, a business who had promoted leaders based on their brilliant technical skills. You know, these are people who are fabulous at their jobs. And we did this even knowing that really they actually had terrible people skills. And we somehow hoped that, quite naively really, that with the added pressure and responsibility of a new role, that they would transform. Yeah, that's right. They didn't. And so this has stopped. And so people in our business have really learned now that leadership skills and EQ are essential to be promoted to a leadership role in our business. And it has really transformed the way we lead. And for anyone who ever doubted the impact of a leader, I want to share with you the results of one of our business units before a leadership change. So this was their culture in 2017. And you'll see there's a lot of red, lots of green, and very little blue. I mean, it's fair to say that people were pretty unhappy in this business unit, and the results were not good. We swapped out that leader. This is the culture 18 months later after the leader left. So you'll see the red has pretty much dissolved, still some green, and they're really working hard to build back a constructive culture, a culture that supports its people and that's really focused on clear accountability and responsibilities. 
But I think for us, this illustrates what we always knew, that leaders absolutely do impact culture. And so this really leads us to the second thing we focused on. We focused heavily across the business on developing our people and all our people. You know, we really are focused on internal promotions and career succession. It's a big thing of what we do. However, we have spent even more time and money investing in our collective leadership capability. And that's been a key for our transformation. We do a lot of work around 360s and individual coaching, and we've really tried to up the ante in developing our leaders every two or three years and just keep moving the goalposts forward, I guess. And I think what we've learned over this period is that leadership is in fact a learned skill and that for some people it does come more naturally, but for others, you know, they put in the work and it does make a difference. And some of the best leaders I've seen in our business are ones that have sought feedback and have worked to improve that. The other thing is it's really been a journey for all of us as a collective leadership group and certainly people have parted ways with our business and people have come on board. But we've got this shared journey and bond and I think that's also strengthened the work and the contribution we make to our culture and how we lead our people. You know, you absolutely cannot work on culture without working on yourself. We've also done things like revamp our policies so that they fit more effectively in terms of our aspired culture. So, for example, we've implemented an all-roles flex flexibility policy. We've worked on things like gender equality, white ribbon accreditation, etc. And all of these things have helped us build a far more trusting workplace, one that's more open and really one that's more inclusive. One of the key things we did a few years ago is reinvented our workplace design. So we had quite old offices and what we've done is essentially gutted these and we've removed all the officers, including the CEOs, and we've really worked at developing spaces that are far more collaborative and really help engage the different business units with each other so that people sort of aren't locked away in their little silos and areas. And we've found that that's really had a big impact in the way people communicate across the business, and that's certainly contributed to a more positive culture. One of the best things, I think, though, for me about this move, apart from getting a fabulous office that looks great, feels great, and it's got a great energy and buzz, has been one of the, I suppose, least expected outcomes at the time when we redesigned these offices. We really were focusing on the collaboration. But one of the best outcomes has actually been that it really has built trust. Leaders have moved away from a line of sight of management, of seeing people, knowing where they are, and that combined with our flexibility policy And it's really meant that leaders have had to learn to manage on deliverable and outcomes. And it's led to far more trusting relationships and frankly, just a better quality of maturity in the business. So that's been a a very positive impact for us. Safety is a really important part of a um, development company with construction activities. And we've always had a focus and a commitment to safety in our business. In the past, that focus has really been around policing things And the problem with that is that when you have a policing system with reprimands, people don't come forward with what's really going on. They don't tell you what the mistakes are. You know, no one wants to get in trouble. No one wants to, you know, get less money in their bonus, et cetera. So we've really had to turn that around into a culture that's focused on learning. So learning from our mistakes. And we do that through a whole lot of learning sessions. So rather than look at, you know, We used to just talk about and focus on failures. Now we talk about what are the learnings with each of these and we share those more effectively across the business. And we've started to look at positive lead indicators rather than lag indicators. And I think this is a good example in our business of how when you shift the conversation, 
it can really have an impact on shifting your culture. So to one from, you know, a fear and reprimand to one that's far more around sharing and learning. We've also worked on balanced scorecards. So each of our leaders um, who are on a balanced scorecard as part of their measures, we also measure the quality of their business unit action plan on their culture survey. So we think it's really important that leaders are accountable for the work they do with their own leadership teams and their own teams in the business unit. And that's really helped us in terms of uh, certainly um, achieving momentum and, and retaining that momentum for leaders in terms of the work they do in culture. Just on that, I mean, we've over the years, we've actually spent a lot of time and effort sharing our results and we share everything. You know, we share our circumplexes, we do the associated survey, which is the causal factors and outcomes, and we share that. We share even, you know, the some of the facilitator cards around what does all this mean? And we do that because the business and the people in our business own the data. It is their culture. It's their data. It's not something owned by HR or the CEO or leadership team. And so we want people to be as comfortable as possible with the data, understand it, dissect it. And of course, we want them to do something with it. It's also given us a shared language and a shared purpose by doing that. And I think that's been effective for us. So I want to share with you one of the business units. So in addition to our, I guess, corporate strategies that we have and initiatives, we also work on individual business unit plans. And there's around 22 or so of those. So one of the business units who transformed their culture, this is what their culture looked like in 2014. So you'll see a lot of red, big spike in perfectionistic, quite a bit of green and not too much blue. So they focused on three key things to transform their culture. They looked at role clarity and articulating goals more effectively. And they did this by cascading their goals. So, you know, often in the business, there's a lot of jargon. And we're like most companies have plenty of ours. It's really difficult, we found, for our staff to relate to, you know, financial metrics that we're trying to achieve at a corporate level and how that relates to their day-to-day job. So this business unit has really worked hard on translating those into project goals that people can relate to locally in terms of the property developments that they're working on, and then also into individual goals around how I contribute to the work I do. Even if I'm in a back office job, don't have any contact with the customer, everything I do has a purpose and it does certainly contribute to the end goal of what we're delivering in property. And that's been effective. They've also worked really hard on recognising the efforts of team at key milestones. And often when we talk about recognition, I know that people kind of straight away, minds jump to big budgets, but one of the most effective tools they've actually used has been a weekly email for their GM. And what that's really shown is that he's taken notice of what's gone on that week, what's happened, what's sold, what's been developed, what the issues have been, what the challenges are, and what people have achieved. And I think that alone has been a fabulous way for people to feel like their effort counts Lastly, they've really worked on having a united and supportive leadership team with each other. For me, this is one of our best transformations, and you can see it up on the slide, because this happened in a time of really flat trading conditions in a residential market. So for us, this speaks to the resilience of culture and how important it is to work on engaging staff and keeping staff motivated. They certainly wouldn't have delivered the financial results in their flat trading market that they had without the culture they have today. Incidentally, that's the leadership or the LSI style for the leader leading that business unit and and who has worked to transform that. Look, through the work we've done and the strategies we've implemented, 
I think mostly what I've learned is that culture is not one big event. Unfortunately, you know, you can't, you know, you, you can't achieve what you want with one big bang. It's certainly not just team building and free pedometers and box office seats at great events. I mean, everyone loves this stuff and it's fun and it's great. But if that's all you rely on to build your culture, then really all you're getting is bursts of engagement along the way. What we've learned is that building a constructive and a sustainable culture is challenging and it's built layer by layer with all the strategies contributing to that and not all of them being equal and a bit of trial and error, but certainly it takes time. So in terms of our results, I'll share with you a few different results. Firstly, our customer results. We've certainly found that having a far more humanistic and encouraging culture inside our organisation has helped us really transform that in the way we treat our customers externally, you know, and the people who buy our homes, the people who lease our retail property and, you know, our sheds and warehouses, etc. So it really has um, had an impact and we can see that in some of our customer metrics. So for an example, our NPS score in our residential business has increased by eight points in the last three years. We've also had customer referrals increase by 45% and a 200% increase in repeat customers in our residential business. In terms of staff metrics, we know it's a different place. People tell us it's different all the time. So, and we do a number of measures, of course, apart from the OCI, but a couple of key ones are on the screen. So our staff turnover is half of what it was when we first started this journey. In terms of financial results, we've certainly seen a correlation between the contribution of our, found, our financials and our improvement in culture. We've had a strong increase in profits and also an increase in return on equity. We've also successfully spun off a number of assets from our business into listed funds, and we've been able to launch a global business with our industrial and logistics platform. And these are all things that are really being built because of the culture we have. So finally, what does our culture look like now? So this is what it was in 2008. It was a culture that was high red, very hierarchical, quite oppositional, and very defensive. So fast forward to now, it's a lot more blue and we've significantly shrunk the red and green culture. You know, there is far more collaboration across the business now and we can feel that. And we see that play out in the projects we develop and the focus we have in our business. Leaders are far more supportive of the people they develop and really understand their role and the impact they do have on the people and culture they lead. And I think mostly there's a genuine team spirit and focus and commitment, you know, to being a customer-centric organisation that delivers leading real estate products and services. You know, we live in a world where the pace of change is unprecedented and there are many external factors in the marketplace that we can't control. You know, we're a property developer and many things happen and it's very much a cyclical market for us. But we can influence our culture if we choose to pay attention to it. And the journey is sometimes long, it's tough, and, but the thing is, having a great culture is just like having a great development. If you put the hard work in, it certainly pays off in the end, and it's worth it. So thank you. All right, so that was Rana from Fraser's Property. What did you think, Jess? Yeah, another really great presentation, especially for a company in the property industry. Yeah, really cool to see. Yeah, it's a great example, and I think... Um, you know, there's lots of other property developers and so on who who pay attention to that. But I think it also applies across cross industries, right? It's often the same or similar themes that run throughout organizations. Because at the end of the day, I think people are people. <laughs> you yeah. know, 
same things motivate them or don't motivate them, you know, depending. It doesn't depend on industry per se, because fundamentally, I think people are kind of the same. And I think one point that Rana made, uh, which can definitely spread across different industries, is they were choosing leaders based on skill rather than on people skills, Mm. um, which plays a lot into how your culture is. You know, you need those people skills these days to really have a constructive culture. That's so classic, isn't it? Where, you know, the person who's really good at their job gets promoted to be a leader, but they're not necessarily a good leader. That's a different job. So how are we supporting them to be good leaders or how are we selecting the people who are going to be effective leaders? Yeah, massive insight. I think it's a trap a a lot of organizations fall into, right? It's just because you're good at your job doesn't mean you're necessarily a good leader without the support to help grow you and build you there. So if we're going to promote people, let's support them in doing it. Yeah, for sure. Great insight. All right. Well, I really enjoyed that presentation from Rana. We'll have up on the website, we'll have the presentation and so on. If you want to download that and have a look, you can check that out in the show notes of this podcast. And otherwise, we'll be back with some more conference clips. Sounds good. See you then. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyrighted by Human Synergistics Australia, all rights reserved. To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au.